everyone. Uh, welcome on this chilly morning. Uh, can I add my welcome as well to Scott and family? It's great to have you with us. We've been waiting a couple of months and I know Bruce is just so excited about having a fellow Manly supporter on staff. Kind of sad but true. Um, so <clears throat> as I said, good morning. It's my privilege to preach this morning. Um, as Bruce said, we've just had a wonderful series in Daniel and we're about to start a great series in Galatians. But before we do, we're going to have two weeks in the Psalms. And I got to uh, pick one of my favourites, Psalm 13. <clears throat> and as you could tell from the Old Testament reading, it's quite short, only six verses. And you can thank me for that later. Um, but even though it is a short Psalm, it really packs a punch. So I'm going to pray and ask that God would reveal his truth to us through this Psalm this morning. So would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We look forward to what you have to teach us this morning through your wonderful word. May we build our lives upon it. In Jesus' precious name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Well, our first child was born coming up to four years ago when we were living in the USA. Here's a photo of the little man about uh, four days old up there. Doesn't he look cute with his little beanie all kind of cuddled up or innocent looking? Not so much now. That's, that's him there, almost four years old, thinking he's a little shark boy. Um, so there he is, little Joshy, a few days old. I remember clearly bringing him home from the hospital. That day, that special day, we brought him home from the hospital. My wife and I were just so excited to start our life together, our journey together, as a family of three. <clears throat> that is until the first time he really cried and wouldn't settle down. Then I remember thinking, what on earth have we done? I have no idea what I'm doing. Where's the instruction book? Better yet, where are the nurses? How could they have let us leave the hospital being responsible for this little human being? I really had very little idea of what to do and how to handle being a brand new parent. I wonder if anyone here can relate to this. You know, maybe you can remember being a new parent and feeling the same as me, or maybe it's something else. Maybe you've been in a work situation and felt completely out of your depth, not knowing how to handle what was going on. Can you remember being in a situation where you felt out of control and just didn't know what to do? Well, you see, I think for a lot of us, that's what we're like when it comes to suffering. When it comes to times of pain or hardship in our lives, I think for many of us, when they happen, we just don't know what to do, how to react, how to deal with it. Do we hide? Do we just tough it out, you know, stiff up a lip? How do we endure suffering? That's the question we want to look at this morning. How do we navigate the hard seasons of life? Where's the instruction book? How do we get through hard times? Well, the psalm we're looking at this morning teaches us, I think, two things about how we might endure suffering. It teaches us to be real and to be prepared. To be real and to be prepared. Let's get going with our first point. Be real. When we go through hard times, God wants us to be real with him. 
Let's read this psalm from verse 1. I've got it on the screen there as well. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with these thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now these are words of a man in pain, aren't they? He's going through a tough time, but his tough time is made worse because he feels like God just isn't there. He feels like God has forgotten him in his time of need, doesn't he? God, where are you? Do you care about what I'm going through? Are you just indifferent? I know you can see everything, so why aren't you doing anything about it? But even though he's accusing God of being distant, where does he direct his venting? To God. And this is the first thing we can learn from this psalm. Being real means going to God first. The writer of this psalm is is going to God in the midst of his pain and loneliness because he has a personal relationship with him. He isn't just throwing out a random, God, if you're there, I could really use your help right now. No, he's coming to God as part of his personal relationship with him. Even though he's really hurting, he's still approaching God with a deep reverence and respect, not like a demanding child. He also isn't running to his friends, complaining about his hopeless situation. He's bringing his pain before his God first. Do we do that? This is something I personally struggle with. I'm very much a people person, and my automatic reaction is to run to my wife and tell her, or let's face it, complain to her or all my friends about what's going on. Bring it to God first. Here's the next thing we can learn. Being real means being honest. The writer of the psalm, he's not afraid to share what's on his heart with the Lord, is he? I mean, look at the language he uses. He's not afraid to be honest, brutally honest. You know, when I first read this psalm, I couldn't believe some of the stuff he was saying. Is that irreverent? Can you say that? Won't God be offended? Can you really say those things? Well, the answer is yes, we must. We are actually invited to. God desires us to come to him in every situation. I mean, don't you think it's marvelous that God intentionally put these psalms in the Bible? He knows we'll suffer. He knows we'll go through hard times. He even knows we'll go through times when we feel like he's distant. That's just part of worshipping a God we can't see. This psalm and others like it are here to give us encouragement. How did other godly people deal with tough times? We can even pray the actual words of the psalms when we are struggling, something I strongly recommend. Yeah, okay. But what does it mean to be really honest with God? I mean, can we bring every area of our life to God? What about when we feel really down or just really flat? Bring it before God. What about when we sin and we think, you know, we feel guilty and we think, I don't want to talk to God right now. Or we think, God doesn't want to hear from me right now. 
bring it before God. There is nothing out of bounds, nothing off limits or inappropriate in conversation with God. He can handle it. At different times of my Christian life, I've used a prayer journal to help me in my prayer life in in conversation with God and at prompting from a friend I've recently started up again. And as I have, I've been leafing back and looking at old entries and I've been surprised by how bland many of them have been. Like, they're okay. I mean, I write down some Bible verses, write down some prayer requests, what's going on, but there's no real honesty there. When I look back and, and look at dates of when I know I'm going through hard times, I don't even mention it. In the last little while, again, at a prompting from a friend, I've tried to be really honest in my journaling and in my prayer life with God. And I found it incredibly helpful. Lord, I'm struggling to know what it means to be an unselfish husband. I need your help with this. Lord, I'm struggling with my studies. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Give me your peace. Or even, Lord, I'm struggling at work. Give me patience to listen to my boss's countless fishing stories. <laughs> Kidding, but there is our media shy senior pastor. Up there, I, I was told never give up an opportunity to rib the boss. So there it is. But seriously, do whatever it takes to be honest with God. If it's journaling, great. If that's not your thing, fine. If it's praying out loud to God while you're driving, great. If it's praying out loud while you're running on the beach, walking on the beach, up a bush track, who cares if people think you're insane? Do whatever it takes to be honest with God. Bring it all before him. Okay, let's keep going. Being real also means asking God for things. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 here. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. You see, not only is the psalmist coming to God out of his personal relationship and pouring his heart out with brutal honesty, but he's also asking God for things. He isn't afraid to request things of God. Look on me and answer. Give light to my eyes. He realizes that even though he feels distant from God, God is still the one who is able to do something about his situation. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to go to our friends at these times. What a blessing to have Christian community in our times of need. But let's not put too much pressure on those relationships. I mean, let's not think they have the power to really change our situation or give us the peace and comfort only God can give. Go to God and ask him for peace and understanding. Go to him and ask him to answer you. Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Let's be bold in our requests to God. So there it is. Being real with God means going to him first, being honest, and not being afraid to bring our requests before him. Okay, let's focus on the next two verses of this wonderful psalm. Let's read verses 5 and 6. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has 
been good to me. Now, what's going on here? I mean, wasn't this guy only a moment ago despairing of life? I mean, how long, O Lord, have you forgotten me? I'm wasting away. I'm up all night wrestling with my thoughts. I've got sorrow in my heart all the time. What's just happened? How has he gone from despair to rejoicing? How has he done this 180? Well, I think the key is in verse 5. But I will trust in your unfailing love. Unfailing love. Now, these two words are so important. Now, why is that? Well, stay with me. You see, unfailing love is one way to translate the Hebrew word that's being used here, which is hesed. It's a good translation of the word, but it just means so much more. This word hesed sums up a huge part of God's character. Someone translated it like this, I think, really well. Hesed means the consistent, ever-faithful relentless, constantly pursuing, lavish, extravagant, unrestrained, furious love of our Father God. Isn't that great? When we have baptisms uh, here, we present the storybook Bible to the parents of the children. And I'm reading that with my son at the moment, three and a half, little shark boy I mentioned before. And the storybook Bible, which is brilliant, translates this word like this. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Isn't that great? That is what is being meant here in this verse of unfailing love. Now, why is that so important? Because this is describing who our God is. Not just a small part of his character that God might sometimes be like, but it's describing who God is all the time, without fail. The psalmist is saying, even though I'm going through a really hard time, I know who you are. I'm trusting in what I know of you to be true. I'm trusting in your character. Which brings us to our second point. Be prepared. You see, the psalmist isn't just praying to a God that he vaguely knows. You know, that he hopes might hear him, hopes might be good to him, hopes might keep his promises. He knows his God and he knows these things to be true. He knows his God and his character. He has prepared himself for this situation. Being prepared means knowing God and his character. You know, say you're pregnant and you rush to the hospital, right? Things really start heating up, you you get to the hospital, you get into the labour ward and uh, things really start getting going and a nurse turns to you and says, so what's your birth plan? And you say, well look, uh, I haven't really had a chance to think about that yet, I brought some some large books to read, I thought I'd sit down here and, and, and read them and I'll let you know. Now if you have any experience with this kind of thing, you know there's just no time for that when you're in the heat of the moment. And suffering, it's a little bit like that too. When we are in the midst of a hard season or serious suffering, it's unlikely we'll sit down and read a detailed book on suffering. Life can be just so foggy in those moments. Sometimes it's just hard enough to get out of bed. We must now build a firm foundation 
a firm cornerstone, a trustworthy anchor for the hard times that will come. We must prepare ourselves. We all have a responsibility to prepare ourselves. Now, what if we don't? What if we don't prepare ourselves? What's at stake? What might happen if we don't? Well, in the midst of a hard time, it might be easy to think these things are true. God, you're against me. You have it in for me. You can't be good. Or God, I can't believe you are letting this happen to me. You mustn't be in control. You mustn't be very powerful. Or the evil one will whisper to us, God doesn't treat his children like this. You mustn't be one of them. Now we know those statements are wrong, wrong and wrong, don't we? But how will we battle those thoughts when we are in the midst of hard times? We must battle them with a right understanding of our wonderful God and his unfailing love. Never doubt in the dark what you know to be true of God, what you have learnt of him to be true in the light. Being prepared means knowing God and his character. We must also prepare ourselves for the right understanding of the world. We need to have the right expectations of what life will be like. So being prepared means also managing our expectations. This is something I have really struggled with. You know, I think for many of us, some of the pain we feel in hard times is the surprise of it. I I can't believe this is happening to me. How could this have happened to us? You know, many of us think that life should generally be all good, be fair sailing most of the time. Don't you think especially living in and around Manly, we can just be tricked into thinking that life is kind of like a cruise ship where it's all about having a good time all the time. I mean, life is great on a cruise ship. That's the whole idea of a cruise ship, to have good times. The toughest things that might happen on a cruise ship are the evening entertainment may not be very funny or the lines of the buffet might be a little long. But the Bible teaches that life isn't like a cruise ship at all. I mean, yes, there are fantastic things in life and there are good times to be had, but the Bible teaches that we are born into a world at war. This world is broken. So many of us know this, don't we? But don't we need to be reminded? This world is broken. And this side of the return of Jesus, life is not easy. If we think life is like a cruise ship, we'll be horribly surprised by hard times. We'll be much more disoriented by them. If we believe we've been born into a world at war, we may not be as surprised when we are hit with the shrapnel of life. It may hurt just as much, but at least we won't have the added pain of surprise. We must prepare ourselves with the right understanding of the world we live in. We need to prepare ourselves by knowing God and his character, which will build our cornerstone, our life's foundation. And when we are in the middle of tough times, what must we do? We must be real with God and remember what we know of him to be true. Let me give you a personal example of this. 
when I was living in the USA about five years ago, I went on a men's conference, and it was good times, you know, hanging out with the boys, we huddled around a campfire, eating lots of meat, um, had a good time, but a lot of the conference I found really confronting and really hard, because the whole idea of the conference, we were focusing on the relationships we had with our fathers and how that affects us as Christian men, as husbands and fathers ourselves. So this is certainly true for me as my father walked out on my family when I was very young and I didn't have much of a relationship with him when I was growing up. So this conference brought up a lot of those feelings. I was feeling pretty down and pretty sad and honestly I was feeling quite disappointed that I'd missed out on having a dad. So feeling all these things, I, I went to one of the sessions and a friend of mine got up and shared about the difficulties he'd had growing up with his mum. And that was pretty unusual because everyone else was sharing about their fathers. So it was strange to hear about somebody's mum. And in that moment, while I was feeling really down, I felt God remind me of something. You see, yes, I didn't grow up with a father, but I had a mother who loved me and my brother and my sister with a fierce, unyielding, unfailing love. She'd given up her whole life to raise her three kids as a single mum. She had sacrificed everything to give her kids all they could have. So even, my, even though my father wasn't in the picture, I was protected and fought for and I knew that no matter what, my mother loved me unconditionally. Now when the conference was over, I, I went home and I, I called mum from America back to Australia. I was very emotional and I, I thanked her for what she'd done and what she'd sacrificed to bring up her three kids and I apologised for not really recognising it beforehand. You see, in that moment at the conference, while I was feeling really down, I needed to be reminded of what was true. Now, I did know these things about Mum. I'd always known that she'd been so good to us, but it took a time of pain and deep reflection to fully realise what she'd done, fully realise what God had given me through her. Now, I, I don't know your situation. I don't know what you are going through. You know, maybe you have been caught by surprise and you're in the middle of pain right now. Wherever you are, you and I need to be reminded of this truth, that we all share the unconditional, unfailing love of our Father in Heaven. Can I say that again? We all share the unconditional, unfailing love of our Father in Heaven. And that is most awesomely and best displayed in Jesus Christ. You see, for all eternity past, Jesus had equality with God. But seeing our desperate situation that we were lost in sin, unable to save ourselves he did away with that equality and he chose to do something about our situation he did away with that equality 
and became a man, a poor, illegitimate baby boy, born to a teenage mom, born in the middle of nowhere, dirt poor. He took on the nature of a servant. He humbled himself and became a servant. Now, who would do that? Jesus grew up to be a man and he went to the cross. He was betrayed, beaten and tortured. And he hung on that cross, not as an accident and not because evil had prevailed. Because he knew it was the only way to do something about our sin situation. To bring us back to our Father God. That's why. He hung on that cross and he took the punishment that you and I deserved. Now, what kind of love is this? I mean, who would do that? When we really think about it, it's ridiculous, don't you think? Who would do it? Well, the God of this psalm, the God of unfailing love, the God that the writer of this psalm knew so well, that's how he could get through his really tough time. You see, there is hope that life will not always be like this. Because yes, Jesus hung on that cross, but he is no longer on that cross. He was laid in a tomb, but he's not in there either. That tomb is empty. He is risen, and he is gone to prepare a place for you and for me where hurt, pain, and suffering will be no more. How do we endure suffering? How do we get through hard times? How do we navigate the hard seasons of life? Well, when we are in the thick of it, be real with God and remember what you know of him to be true. I'm going to pray. Would you join me? Father God, we humbly come before you together as your children. God, we are grateful for your never-failing love, your always-forever love. We are grateful that that is who you are all the time without fail. Help us to honestly cry to you in our times of need. If we are there right now, would you minister to our souls by your Holy Spirit? Would you help us remember what we know to be true? And Father, please prepare us for these times if we're not in the middle right now because we know we are born into a world at war. Prepare us by your Spirit. We love you and we thank you for your Son who has chosen to do something about our situation that we may not always cry, How long, O Lord? But now we cry, Jesus, come. Amen.